When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's happening? It's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Jason Lacanfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle. Carl Dukes, put him up, my man, Jason Lacanfora. You read him in the Washington Post, of course. He has covered the NFL for a very long time, and Brian Baldinger, also a part of this podcast. Baldy's taking a little R and R after a long regular season, so he'll be back. Uh, next week with us but we got a lot to get to and Jason this week it's the combine right this is the the big whoop-de-doo everybody's there all the scouts the coaches the GMs. Yeah. now not everybody's talking this year which is a little surprising not all these coaches are talking but I think these front offices are trying to take the lead because they're going to be the ones team building and making these decisions I'm just curious what what do you make of the combine this thing's grown into a monster event over the years hasn't it Oh, absolutely. Um, like everything else seemingly related to the NFL, it, it has exploded in size uh, in perceived import. Um, and it's become sort of a week that is kind of circled on the American sporting calendar now, which is, you know, just wasn't the case uh, 10, 15 years ago. I also think, though, it, it – it's gotten a little, like a lot of things NFL related, it's gotten a little bloated. It's gotten a little full of itself. Yeah. And it's gotten a little blown out of proportion. And we're now seeing more teams where the coaches say, you know what? Like, yeah, we could talk to these kids at night, do our 15-minute interviews with them. And, you know, I guess there's something to be said for getting our own eyes on them. But there's other ways we could spend our time at the team facility continuing to prepare for free agency continuing to put our off-season plans into place, continuing to tweak our systems and tweak our programs and how we're going to approach OTAs and mini camps and training camp. And that's better use of our time than spending all this time in Indianapolis. Yeah. I think you're going to see that trend continue more and more. Uh, and, and we have all this technology. And we learned some lessons Unfortunately, we were forced to learn some lessons from the pandemic. And I think a lot of that still applies. And there's so much information available. There's so much technology available. There's so many different ways we can connect with people and maximize our time and sort of work from home. That for some of these coaches and their staffs, the combine is becoming a work from home event rather than going to Indianapolis. And I think when you look at the time, you know, cost, uh, Money spent, dollars spent, travel time spent, time in limbo spent, time just sitting in a hotel room spent. When you look at all that, there probably is. I think the, some of the more progressive coaches are probably ahead of the curve and say, I don't I don't need to be there for five or six days. It doesn't – we've got enough people from our organization there. I'm going to do it a little bit differently. Um, far too much is made of, of the individual performances uh, – it serves a purpose, and that purpose is to facilitate trades, transactions, the intermingling of all these front offices. It is football's version of baseball winter meetings. 
that obviously serves a purpose. Getting medicals on these kids, getting, you know, universal heights, weights, those metrics, absolutely. Getting to talk to these kids somewhat, sure. Individual acts of athleticism themselves, I don't know, man. You know, I, I, will some individual players rise or fall a little bit based on it? Sure, in some extreme cases. But by and large, um, if that's happening, to a great degree, you probably haven't done your underlying work the way you should have. Yeah, I, I look at this, and you're absolutely right about the winter meetings. That's a great comparison for football heads who just kind of go, oh, the combine. There's more going on behind the scenes and lunches and dinners and yes. handshaking about potential things that are going to happen yes. than there are focused on the field. And, you know, Jason, I know you've been, I've been, and, and I agree with you. It's gotten blown out of proportion a little bit. This was really back in the day, guys, this is a pretty intimate event. I mean, you, if you went and you were a certain member media, you could, you could kind of facilitate with coaches and GMs and meet guys and, and yes. get some behind the scenes stuff. A lot of that now, to your point, because of the way this is organized and working, you're not getting as much of that for guys like Jason and I that, you know, you, you can be smoking cigars at night with, with a bunch of coaches and yeah. chopping it up. So here's the thing for me about the combine, and this is just from a player evaluation standpoint, and we are not scouts. Certainly, we talk to enough guys in the league who do all that kind of stuff. But this is really, for me, like college recruiting. You recruit a class. Three years later, you might know if that class has panned out. Some of those guys are going to transfer. Some of those guys are going to rise sure. into stars. But with the combine, with all the information you get, we, we just don't know. And with college recruiting, you just don't know. You bring in all these guys, you go, wow, look at this class. You just don't know. And that's the underlying thing for me about the combine. We can look at all the metrics. We can look at arm strength, you know, how many times a guy puts up 225. But for me, big picture, it doesn't mean a damn thing about how good he's going to be in the NFL. And we've seen that, Jason, time and time again, where a guy is a combine darling and yep. then he gets to the league and he's a, he's a buster. So the combine in its, in its makeup is really about, to Jason's point, let's meet, let's talk, let's talk about all the things that are going on, let's share stories, let's talk about potential trades. Uh, but, but the guys on the field, Listen, if you don't know Bryce Young can play right now, then you have been watching, right? If you don't yeah. know C.J. Stroud's a, a top guy in this in this uh, draft, you just you didn't pay attention to, to the Ohio State Buckeyes and the season they had. I don't need all of that for these guys to impress me. But I will say there have been guys over the years. Josh Allen was one of them. Sure. I didn't know. I didn't know a damn thing about Josh Allen at Wyoming. He comes in, crushes it. He's a great quarterback in the NFL. I, those are the guys I want to see, Jason. Yeah, I mean, there will be, there are always, like, these these kids, so many of them overcome so much to get here. There are a number of great stories. Um, there will also be a number of great football players in the NFL who weren't even invited to the combine. For whatever. It's it's an inexact science. Uh, that, you know, there will be kids who do things that grab people's attentions for obvious reasons. But you're right, it doesn't um, correlate to success playing a team sport at a higher level than they ever have before. You know, you're trying to grab different data points and different kernels and put together your panorama of what your internal projections as an organization tell you this kid's going to be, that kid's going to be. 
it'll help you determine certain comps, right? When you look at through the history of the league, what players who had this wingspan, who ran this fast, who were this agile, who did this in the three cone, right? Will they be running all those numbers? Will they be churning all that data? Absolutely. Um, but it's not, you can't simulate the game itself. And the film, you know, is really what you have to go back and rely on. Um, and, and the other big component, Jason, is the health, right? These guys getting exams. Yeah, it's the universe. It's, yes, it's having those those medicals across the board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to find out if a guy's healthy. This is the time to do it. Team's concerns get wiped away once they get a chance to figure out what this kid's, you know, any of them, what their situation is physically. Guys, it's in the huddle. Jason Lock on four, Carl Dukes. We're talking all things NFL. We do it all off season. We'll have all the stories and talk about what's going to be happening leading up to the draft, obviously free agency before the draft. I just want to dive into this real quick about the Bears. Yeah. So they have the first overall pick. Um, Report came out this week. They're more likely to probably trade that, which I think is smart, instead of maybe trading Justin Fields. Now, I, I think it's a little convoluted because if a, if a team comes in with a package and they say the Bears say, hey, we're, we're getting what we want, and that does include potentially trading Justin Fields, which I don't think is smart, but then they get back in the quarterback market. Where are you at with the Bears? What the hell do you think is going to happen? With I, I would just say the Chicago Bears are talking to a lot of teams. They've made it very clear they're open for business. They're not locked into any, um, not not locked into any particular avenue as to how they have to approach this. Um, there were numerous personnel people I spoke to coming off of the Senior Bowl who were pretty convinced that the Bears were absolutely positively willing to engage in conversations. Um, trade talks that would involve Justin Fields going the other way if they still felt like they could accomplish a number of organizational goals, including have a path to a quarterback. Well, some would say, well, then why would you move off of one? Well, because beauty's in the eye of the beholder. There is not an Andrew Luck in this draft. Right. There is not a Trevor Lawrence in this draft who is consensus 1-1 for all 32 teams. Um, that just doesn't exist. There are, are differences of opinion. There are varying levels of concern about body type, about projectability, about durability. So could the Bears trade off of one, drop down a spot or two, the team that moves up to one, let's just say it's the Texans and, and everybody's pretty convinced they're taking Bryce Young. If the Bears are not convinced that Bryce Young is their guy, if it's Levis, if it's Richardson, if it's Stroud, you could move down. They're, the Bears are not a player away. Anyway, the Bears roster is dog crap. I mean, the Bears need everything. <laughs> they do. They need everything. Might need a new coach and GM, too. We'll see how they do with this. They need everything. You don't believe Why the Eberfuss? Chicago Bears weren't chasing Sean Payton blows my mind, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, if you want to start the clock on a new quarterback and you feel like Fields is from the old regime and, and you've been around Fields and you don't think you can win a Super Bowl with Fields, you could trade off of one, let somebody else take a quarterback who you who isn't your number one. Also trade Fields, continue to get draft capital this year and next year, plus the draft capital you're going to get this year and next year for trading down and still get your guy, you know, wherever, somewhere between two and seven, eight, what have you. I don't think they'd go back very far, but like the Texans, 
That's not a big drop. And and now you're you're giving yourself way more arrows to throw the next couple of years at the best prospects in football. So do I think they'll be able to execute all that? I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, but I would just say that they're keeping a very open ear and they're willing to discuss a lot of different um, potential ways to, to add assets to their football club. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to achieve all of that. I mean, one offseason is just not enough, right? I mean, even if you got three firsts and a couple of twos, those are going to be future firsts. You're not yeah. getting all of that this year. So I'm with you. Um, as we talk about the, the draft, you think quarterback, edge, corner, position-wise, what is going to be the most sought after? I've been saying, Jason, I think we're going to see four quarterbacks taken in the first 20 picks. Oh, yeah, I think it's going to be – that's what I would have said a three, two, three weeks ago. I think now you think it's going to be four in the first ten. Okay. Like, I, I think it – yeah. Depending on what happens with trades and free agency, yeah, I mean, it could be four in the first nine. Because I think you're also going to see some teams willing to move up and fill out, you know, a team in the top ten that doesn't necessarily – want to take one of these quarterbacks or that addresses it differently, you know, they'll be willing to drop back and you'll have teams that still want to move up. So yeah, I think quarterbacks will be the story of the first 90 minutes of the first night of the draft. Um, yeah. There's going to be uh, um, as always a bunch of edge that go. And I think this is a, a different tight end draft than we normally see, mm-hmm. you know, that there, this is a, this, this draft is not as deep at wide receiver from what people tell me yep. as we've become accustomed to seeing, but much deeper at tight end. And the question a lot of years is, will it be one, maybe two tight ends in the first round? You know, this could be upwards of five in the first round. I mean, I think it's four for sure. Um, and then anytime something like that starts happening, there's some teams who just say, I don't want to wait for day two. If I still see a guy who's there, you know, let me get the 31, let me get the 32. Let me get the fifth year option and let me go get my guy. Um, so I think it'll be it'll be an exciting uh, and, and and the run on tight ends won't just. I'm, I'm not, I mean it's it's deep throughout, but I, I think yeah you're going to see at least four um, go in the first. I almost said 32 picks right, but it's 31 because the Dolphins don't have theirs. Yeah, the Dolphins don't. They they gave theirs away. Teams that need quarterbacks, guys, as we think about this right now, to, to Jason's point, free agency could change all of this, but obviously Texans, uh, Colts need to, to pick one off the tree, right? Seahawks said yesterday they will do their due diligence sure. on all these quarterbacks. Uh, they are picking currently at five. Lions have Jared Goff. He's good. But do they have the quarterback of the future? And that is – the thing, you know, as you're building this Lions team and you're saying, okay, we like Jared Goff, but what if they got back in the quarterback business? I don't know if the Falcons completely wholeheartedly trust Desmond Ritter. Yeah. So they're in the mix. The Panthers need to go yep. get a quarterback. So that is, you know, that's what within the top 10 that you're talking about to Jason's point. And then, by the way, the Texans pick 12th again. So they have 2-12 and 12 right now. Or do they negotiate that? And you said it, go get that number one pick and maybe, you know, get a later pick in the first round. Either way, I'm with you. This is going to be – that's why and, – and if you start to reach some of these teams, you know, you're going to see guys like potentially Jalen Carter, who's a monster. I think he's the best player in this draft yeah. simply based on impact. Every down player can play the run, get push up the middle. you got to account for him. 
And if he falls to let's just say seven or seven or eight, Ooh. that's a you're getting a hell of a player at value, and you didn't have to go, oh. you know, take him at one. So I'm with you, Jason, on this. Let me ask you this: It's uh, Carl Dukes, Jason Lock on four guys. It's in the huddle. Subscribe, like us. We put out new episodes Tuesday, Thursday. We're talking all things NFL as we've done all season long and now into the offseason. Um, as we talk about the the free agent aspect of things, I want to ask you about Lamar. You've been talking about this for months. So he puts out a tweet yesterday. I think it read something to the effect of, you know, relax, never crack under the circumstances and, you know, and yeah. sunglass emoji. All right, we're all trying to interpret this shit, right? <laughs> what, Lamar, what are you saying? Uh, the, the, do the sunglasses emoji mean you want to go to Miami? Does it just mean you're chilling? Yeah. I mean, wh wh where is he right now? Because, again, the franchise tag has not been applied as of yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think where is he? I think he's in Miami or close to it, you know, Pompano Beach or whatever. He's Because he's from that area. Yes. I think he's in South Florida. Um, as we record this, uh, Eric DaCosta, GM of the Baltimore Ravens, will step into that conference room and meet the media in about three and a half hours. And then John Harbaugh is going to speak an hour after that. So I think, look, there's a bit of a back and forth going on here between him and the organization in terms of what's leaked to the media, in terms of, you know, strategically – Oh, they said that to this person in the media. I'm going to return serve with my guy, you know? And so that's playing out. And so I think it's just really, again, I, I don't know. He he doesn't, you know, he keeps pretty close quarters. Uh, it's a really tight circle with Lamar Jackson. <laughs> but he hadn't really said anything on social media. Not that this is much in and of itself either. No, no. But I think it's just him. You know, hey, I know everybody's talking about me. I'm going to put something out there throw something out there. Maybe it means something. Maybe it means nothing. But I think it's more about the timing, right? And so the Ravens are about to take, literally take the floor and message and send, you know, the 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 spin that they want to give to their fan base through the media. And my guess is he, you know, he knows that's coming up. And so he's just letting them know that, hey, I'm watching, I'm listening. I know what's going on. And I, I think he'll be as interested as anybody to see how they handle these press conferences, what they say, what they don't say, you know, Jason, what's in, what's inferred. What, yeah, what's what, do you, what, do you, what do you think? Obviously, they're going to have the same message. Harbaugh's not going to walk in there and go, you know, this guy's crazy, and he here's what I'm telling you guys. But what do you think the message is going to be today? Everybody's watching these guys today. I, I think the message is going to be: we've done everything we possibly can to to have tried to not reach this point. Yet here we are, and we're not going to give up the fight. And we still have a lot of, you know, a, a sufficient time to get a deal done before this window to tag a player closes. And we're gonna we're gonna maximize it as much as Lamar wants to maximize it or lets us maximize it. They will play the game as if um, they're not like like that that this has just happened to them. You know what I mean? That that like I think it'll be a lot of things couched to the fact that well it takes two to tango. We've done all we can on this end, but if the person at the other end isn't as motivated as us, there's only so much we could do. You know, we've done our part. Yeah. Like I think they will straddle, walk up to the line of we're not sure he really wants to be here. 
where previously they've spoken for him numerous times and said 100%, 200%. We want him here. He wants to be here. That's so now- from the coaching staff. That's from the GM. And that's from the owner. But I think now that they know a and I think they've always known a trade is more likely than not, but we're, we're on the cusp of that actually being facilitated. I think Eric DaCosta didn't have to speak at this thing, and he decided he wanted to speak, and he's talking before Harbaugh. So that's mm-hmm. obviously common sense because Harbaugh now doesn't have to deal with this Lamar. The GM spoke to it. The GM runs the roster. I don't run the roster. That's right. You know what I mean? You, I, 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 We've said what we're going to say about the Lamar situation, but I think the fact that DaCosta wants to get out there like, the last time they spoke about this, the end of the season press conference, that's when they're telling you 100%, 200%, he wants to be here, we all want him. Well, that, that wasn't reality then. Um, it's certainly not reality now. They aren't making any headway. They are, haven't made any progress. Um, and it's very unlikely that they will by March the 7th. But, uh, you know, they got people sitting on season ticket renewals. You know, they got people looking at their budgets for next year. Are we in or are we out? Are, you know, are we going to try to sell these seat licenses? What's going on? <laughs> and and they brought in an offensive coordinator, not knowing who the head, who the who the quarterback's going to be. So I, I think you will see a a little bit of a switch in their tone. I think they'll be very much in the passive voice, you know, as if well, we're trying to do our part, but if the other side doesn't want to play ball, what are you going to do? Meanwhile, this has been dragging on for twenty five months. What's the owner saying? Is he saying Nothing. anything? Nothing. No, he didn't talk anymore. No, I mean, I think he's he's had one media interaction, and I won't even call it a press conference because it wasn't a press conference. He's had one one media interaction since Lamar Jackson took over as a starting quarterback, and that was at the owners' meetings in Florida last year, late March. He handpicked four reporters who could come and talk to him, Um they weren't allowed to like show any of the video on their social media or whatever, or on their, their newspaper or their websites, uh, you know, URL. They weren't able to play any of the audio recordings of it. And he basically said, I don't know that what Jimmy Haslam did in Cleveland makes sense for me. I don't know that that's how the Ravens want to do their business. Um, that's, that's an outlier right now. Uh, and in, in his heart of hearts, I don't think Lamar really wants all my money now yet because he hasn't won me a Super Bowl, and I think he knows that. And so we're probably going to put a franchise tag on him next year. It's going to be really hard to get a deal done. Um, but I, I don't think that he thinks he's worthy of this contract that we've been, you know, of, of that sort of a contract because he hasn't won me a Super Bowl. Now, of course, people ask Lamar about those comments later, and he said, "Oh yeah, no, I think I'm." <laughs> worthy of this dude's money right now like, I think I've done money. <laughs> like versus the rest of the league i think i've done plenty to get paid but yes. that's it he spoke once he put his foot in his mouth um it was condescending uh it it was ill thought out it was poorly executed um it it, it ruffled feathers in the locker room it certainly ruffled feathers with lamar jackson um and we haven't heard from him since he for years when he owned the team, when he was younger, when he was around here more, when, when he was more actively engaged, when he lived and died with it a little bit more than he seems to now, he would speak at the end of every season and he would be right. pretty candid. And it was yeah. something that people around here banked on. You know, it was part of their covenant with the team that we're going to hear from the guy in charge every year about the state, do a state of the Ravens press conference. It'd be him, 
It'd be the team president, Dick Cass. It'd be the coach. It'd be the GM. And a lot of it was directed at Steve Bashotti. He hasn't done that in, I think, five years. I don't think he's ever doing it again. Um, and, again, I, I don't think he's going to own this team three years from now anyway. So uh, I don't expect to hear anything from Steve Bashotti. Yeah, it's – it's interesting, and I'm glad you laid out all of that because there are a lot of people who will watch this podcast. They're not familiar with the inner workings. Right. All they're saying is, well, why isn't Lamar signed? And they don't understand what the process has been and how the team has approached this. You mentioned this real quick, and then we'll move on to Derek Carr because i got to ask you about what you think. He's meeting with the Jets again, and, and we'll see if he makes his decision. But what did you make of – the comments from Stephen A that Lamar's camp had put out there that he has not demanded a fully guaranteed deal. You have this tit for tat thing going on with, with what you're yeah. saying with the team saying, Oh, Hey, you know, he's wanted a fully guaranteed deal. And all of a sudden Stephen well, A comes out and talks about, you know, Hey, I, I've talked yeah. to people and he doesn't want a fully guaranteed deal. There's context and nuance in all of this. Again, we're talking about what's now been a 25 month negotiation. I mean, they could have got this deal done. You know, in January of 2021. Yeah. Um, when they leak, when the team leaks numbers to certain reporters, they don't they don't tell the full story. They don't they don't tell you what the the number of years on that deal was, what the max on that deal was, what percentage of the max is the true guarantee, what percentage of the max is the injury guarantee. They, you know what I mean? It's just sort of a And the a number, Jason, lead. was what, 133 allegedly? Yeah. Which but, is but, you, but you don't really know the full landscape to even put the number in perspective, but it's like a gotcha thing. Um, look, do, do I think and have I reported that Lamar Jackson has intimated to various people at various times, including some people at the NFLPA who he's worked with on and off, that like – I'm worth more than Deshaun Watson. If that's what Deshaun Watson's worth, I'm worth more than that. And if that structure is good for Deshaun Watson, it's that structure is good for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Um, has it been conveyed to the Ravens that, like, we're not going to pretend that, that that didn't exist? And I'm fully cognizant of it. And it wasn't even just Deshaun Watson. Take it back to the combine a year ago before Deshaun Watson. He was talking to people about the precedent Kirk Cousins had set five years ago when he got three years, $88 million fully guaranteed, which meant a year from that, a year later, they're either renegotiating that deal again for cap purposes to add years or whatever, or they're cutting him and letting him hit the market. Like, he's been interested in – everybody's caught up in the full guarantees, and I get it. After Deshaun Watson, yes, it became a very big deal. But he's also been someone who's like, why do I need to give them seven or eight years of my service time now? You know, and they control the back end whether they want to cut me or not. It's not really seven years because it's not guaranteed. Only right. the first three years are guaranteed. So if you're going to guarantee me three years, I'll play for you for three years. And Bashani's like, no, 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 that's not how it works around here, young man. <laughs> you know, that's not how football contracts work. You know, and so the team would point to, well, look at Patrick Mahomes. You know, he gave 10 years with two years left. And I think Lamar would be like, well, you say Lamar that Deshaun Watson's a terrible contract. I say – what Mahomes did is terrible from a player's standpoint. Yeah, I would never give it do up. that. Yeah, you're giving up too much. Yeah. So, you know, is is was it always going to be more likely than not that if Lamar Jackson got a deal done post Deshaun Watson in Baltimore, that it was going to include 
maybe not full guarantees, but a remarkably high percentage of that contract being fully guaranteed? I think so. Was it hard and fast and explicit? And I'll never, ever, ever take anything that isn't at least, you know, a million more than him fully guaranteed. No, I don't think it's been conveyed that way. I think there's shades of gray in all of this. But I also think if this plays out, like I think it's going to play out, the deal Lamar Jackson takes in that next city, whether it's Miami or New York or Atlanta or Carolina or whatever. Yeah. Chicago. Detroit, I think Detroit would be a really like mystery team. I think Detroit would be a really interesting, like the proverbial mystery team that sure, not sure. everybody's talking about that isn't in the top four or five in the betting odds about where he's going. That isn't in the NFC South, like whatever. I think the deal he takes for the next guy who he hasn't risked five years of his neck for, who he hasn't played through injury for, who he hasn't won an MVP for, who hasn't come out publicly and said, I'm not sure you're worth my money, and I don't think you even really think you are. Like, I think he'll cut them a better deal than he's going to cut Steve Bashotti and Eric DeCosta. Because it's so personal. It's now. gotten personal. Yep, I agree. You know, Jason, so like, you, 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 I got a blank slate there versus what I've already done for you for five years here. You yeah. want me to play for one more year on a franchise tag for you? Another prove-it deal? A sixth year where I have no future money coming to me besides what the CBA stipulates? Nah, bro. Nah. I agree. That, that, nah. I, I'm with you, and that's why I think he gets traded. I really do. I, I don't st- – and, and here's He'll the other thing. He'll take less somewhere else yeah. than he would here. I, I agree with you um, because it's personal. Jason Lock, I'm for Carl Dukes, guys. One other thing we want to hit, we will talk more about free agency. We are in the month of March now. Um, these dates are going to start hitting. We're talking about the draft today because the combine this week and what we're going to see. But Derek Carr meets uh, – he's going to meet with the Jets again. So the, the free agent quarterback market, right? Aaron Rodgers comes out of the dark room. We still don't know. Yeah. You've got Geno. You've got Carr. Obviously, what happens with Lamar, we've talked about. But all these dominoes, Garoppolo. Garoppolo. They, they've got to Daniel fit. Jones. Yeah. Once these things kind of start figuring themselves out, and I don't know what the first domino is going to be, Jason. I, right now, well, I thought it, it should have been Derek Carr. I, I was I, – because he's a Derek he's a Carr before the combine. Yep. But he hasn't made a decision. He's going to meet with the Jets. So what? What's uh, what's your take on him right now with Carr and his options? I think it's the same as he talked to the Saints. He talked to the Jets. I guess the Panthers will sniff around a little bit. But I mean, is there a teams, better place for him though? I mean, from his standpoint, probably. But in the words of Eric DaCosta, it takes two to tango. And I think a lot of these other teams, rather than go down that road with Derek Carr. Are just want to start the clock on a young quarterback and want to start building long term yeah. in a way that Derek Carr doesn't provide. Um, a lot of teams have kicked the can at quarterback to a point where they can't just try to find the next Matt Ryan at the end, the next Carson Wentz at the end, the next Philip Rivers at the end, you know, the next Alex Smith at the end. Like, no, nah, we, we, we nah. I mean, maybe this guy is better than them to some degree, but we're, we're out of that business. Um, so, no, I think his market is what it was. And I don't think it's going to change much because people are now face-to-face in Indianapolis. But he, if he's smart, he'll make that decision by the end of this week, wherever it is. You know, I think Geno stays in Seattle. And they may even get done before that March 7th deadline to, to apply the franchise tag. Um, Rodgers is not going to be in Green Bay. Like, he's not, he's not going to be the Packers quarterback next year. Um, where he ends up remains to be seen. I don't think he's retiring and walking away from 60 million guaranteed. 
I feel like he thinks he's got unfinished business on the football field, and he wants a chance to flip the bird at Mark Murphy and Goody and all the guys back in Green <laughs> Bay and say, ha-ha, I, I made the playoffs without you, and you're nothing without me. Um, you know, I think Garoppolo makes sense in Miami. Uh, he knows that system. Sure. There's a lot of uncertainty with Tua. Um, and, yeah, a lot of the teams we mentioned at the start of this podcast, like going back to four quarterbacks in the top ten, I think there's a lot of teams that at this point in time are willing to play that game and maneuver and and jockey for position to get the one of those four quarterbacks they like the most because there's a pretty steep drop-off after that. We didn't get to it today, Jason, but it's not going anywhere. We're going to dive in to this Daniel Snyder BS. Oh, boy. Okay, next time. And, guys, it is a mess. Yeah. And Snyder's not going quietly, and the other owners are pissed off about it, yep. and it's becoming a thing. That's a soap opera. Oh, big time. So we're going to get into that next time around. But we've got plenty to look ahead to, including, as we said, free agency starting this month and all these teams maneuvering at the combine to figure out where they want to go. Cannot wait to see what happens in the draft and the anticipation as it builds for every team across the NFL. Hey, subscribe. Tuesday, Thursdays, we put out new episodes. Jason, man, great stuff. We're, we're just you, sitting buddy. back. Yeah, we're just sitting back watching this Lamar thing play out. But I hope you guys heard what he said. That is the whole background of this story. It's not just why isn't he signed and they're offering him all this money. There's a lot more to this. And that's why we're in this predicament with Lamar Jackson. Kind of. I think it's the biggest story. I know the Absolutely. Aaron Rodgers thing is. Yeah. But I think this is the biggest story from yep. a franchise-changing guy going somewhere else and yep. what he does for another team. All right, no man, we got to run. Subscribe, guys. Thank you guys uh, for being here. We'll talk to you on Thursday. New episodes out Tuesday and Thursday. We'll see you then. Jason, have a great day. You too, buddy.